So the, the key to building empathy is being able to humble yourself yes. to see from another's point of view, um, that it's not enough to see with our own eyes. We've got to be able to see how other people are viewing situations. And that is not always easy, but it's worth the effort. Welcome to the Good To Do Podcast. I'm Steve Shenbaum. Good To Do is powered by Game On. And the Good To Do Podcast, uh, we are trying our best to empower you by sharing good works on amplifying a variety of unique people who are not just sharing information, but transferring that information into action, practical, simple, tangible action. That is our goal here, amplifying good works and good sounds and good people. So all of our guests have something in common. Well, a lot of things in common. One is uh, they're very kind people. We don't invite people that aren't kind, but they have authority in their industry. They may not be huge celebrities in that industry, but they have successfully taken a lot of really important information and transferred it into practical, tangible techniques to help all of us improve. That is what they have in common. So with that, thanks for joining us. Our guest today, I took a big breath, okay? Our guest today... Uh, I'm going to read her bio and, and let me, I, I know Dr. Dana Winters, but I want us to like lean in for a second. This bio is, is really fascinating and extraordinary, especially in the learning and development space. So uh, Dr. Dana Winters is the faculty and academic director of the Fred Rogers Center for Early Learning and Children's Media at St. Vincent College, where she also serves as assistant professor of psychological sciences and director of the children's studies minor. Now, Get ready. There's so much more. Okay. This is where it gets really fascinating for me. She has extensive field research interviewing everyone from prisoners to shadow, shadowing crossing guards to observing Head Start teachers and developing coaches in early childhood systems. And this has informed her to help co-develop a really cool program that we're going to talk about more called Simple Interactions, and that's an approach to support children, families, and their helpers. Dr. Winters has served as co-principal investigator and program evaluator for consecutive NSF-funded early childhood research and intervention projects in the areas of early literacy, social-emotional development, and early mathematical learning. And finally, Dr. Winters serves as a UNESCO faculty fellow in children and youth studies, get this, collaborating with faculty around the world in the advancement of, and we're going to talk about this more, empathy development and adult-child relationships. She received her PhD in administrative and policy studies from the University of Pittsburgh, an extraordinary voice in learning and development, um, and I, my friend, Dr. Dana Winters. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really honored to be here, Steve. Thank you. It's always strange, isn't it, to be backstage and someone just reading your bio, right? Yeah, I found myself kind of cowering a bit. And Oh, and yes. Well, and that's one of the things we're really excited about in this podcast. It's, you know, there's a lot of really loud voices out there and some of them are really sound. There's a lot of good marketers. What I love about you is, um, and I hope you don't take this the wrong way, your marketing skills is not what you're most known for, right? Uh, no, I've been um, told on a number of occasions that I undersell all marketing of myself. 
Uh, and I'm okay that, with that. <laughs> we call that humility. So let's dive in. When I thought about a guest to talk about practical techniques, who better than someone who's co-developed something called simple interactions, right? Like, yeah, yeah, you didn't yeah. just create that for the podcast. Let's start there. Okay. And we'll just flow. And our hope is that our listeners and viewers will learn and laugh and also hopefully take a pen out and say, wow, I can do that. Like I can apply what was just shared. Talk a little bit about simple interactions and how that was developed. Sure. Um, so simple interactions is an approach to um, affirming and appreciating the space between two people. So we developed this when we were working with adults and children in um, orphanage environments and in early childhood, looking to really trust and support and respect the adult in those spaces. Those are spaces where adults are typically not respected. Um, you know, they're thought of as babysitters. And meanwhile, they're doing really important work. And a lot of that important work is in the relationship space between that adult and child. And so we developed simple interactions to shine a light on that. It's something that looks at the strength of caregivers, looks at the strength of adults, um, and looks at the strength of children and youth in developing relationships with one another through positive, strong interactions. And so we broke down the relationship space into four things that we should try to do and that we should look for in interactions to help each other to learn and grow and develop. Um, and so while it started between adults and children, it's kind of morphed into this is something we do as adults too, uh, so you know, good. among adults as we try to have these same types of relationships and interactions. So when you share, I'm like leaning in, when you say like four areas, I just got my pen out. So I'm not just helping host this podcast. I really, this is just an excuse for me to learn, to be perfectly honest with you. It's like free research. Can you talk a little bit about those four areas? Because I know you're in this space regularly uh, and, and could, you know, we can all get desensitized to the space we're in, you know, when we've teach, taught so much. But Dane, I can encourage you that so many of our listeners are in the learning and development space, but would love to hear those four areas. Sure. So the first one is connection. Okay. Um, how are we emotionally in tune with one another? What does our affect look like? Um, not necessarily that we always have to be smiling and laughing to have a positive interaction. You know, sometimes we can be really serious and be really connected emotionally, but we look for a sense of connection between yeah. the, the people. Um, second is reciprocity. So anytime that you're engaging with someone and doing something, you're taking on a role and that role has power. And so how do you shift back and forth to make sure there's sharing of power, that there are things that are uh, led by both sides, there's a serve and return, um, that you know, you're able to, to, to not tell who's in complete control of an interaction, but be able to claim that space back and forth. Yeah. Um, the third thing is inclusion. And this is something that's incredibly important to us, which is what are we doing to make sure that the least able or least willing um, is included, is brought in, is given an opportunity to belong and to matter within these engagements. Um, so it's shining a light and making us aware if we are excluding children or adults for whatever reason it happens to be, we need to think about that. And how yeah. do we make sure that we're providing that support necessary for everyone to be a part of the engagement? And then the last thing is opportunity to grow because we are growing constantly, not yeah. just as children, but as adults. So what are we doing to support and challenge that growth? 
that we're not um, letting people get away with doing things too easily, that we're providing adequate challenge, but also support when there's a little bit of a struggle to get them to a place where they can do on their own as well. So those were the four things that we based it on. I love, this is why I asked you to be on this podcast. <laughs> what I love is, as we say, simple interactions. It probably took you years and years to come into that simplicity. But I want to say that again, uh, connection, reciprocity, inclusion, and opportunity to grow. I believe, and we've talked about this, that audiences are starving for tangible, practical techniques that they can apply, especially right now. Um, I listened to you and I was able to meet you a couple of years ago when I visited you. You hosted me at the Fred Rogers Center, which was such an experience I'll never forget. You have a teacher gift uh, among many of your giftings. What was a a teacher or mentor that kind of opened your eyes to the power of teaching because you've committed your life to this industry. And I was curious if uh, that typical question, like who was that mentor or, or mentors that uh, impacted you? You're right. Nobody, nobody comes to this space kind of in a vacuum, right? Or alone. Right. Um, there've been a number of people, but there's always one person who sticks out the most. Mm -hmm. um, and coincidentally, she cut me from the seventh grade basketball team. And that was my first interaction with her. Oh, that's um, great. There was actually yeah. a little bit of, 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 of tension. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Her name was Coach Mack. And I was um, incredibly tall for a seventh grader and could not chew and chew gum and walk at the same time. I had absolutely no coordination. Um, and she cut me from the team, but she kept an eye on me. You know, I'd go to gym class and she'd ask me about my game. She came to a summer camp where I was practicing. And when I went back out for the team in eighth grade, I made it. And it was because she saw me as more than just the tall, gangly kid who, you know, couldn't dribble and walk at the same time. She saw me as a person. She knew that that disappointment was real. And she stuck with me. And she was at my wedding. And oh. uh, we are still in contact today because uh, she, she saw in me more than just a potential basketball player or whatever it was. Yeah, she saw, she saw more. And she it's was the first person who did. Down, she saw you. You know, I've been noticing, I'm sure you have too, as you teach virtually during COVID, that um, the power of being heard and being seen is probably even more um, in the surface now. Let me ask you, we didn't prep this question, but I've been thinking, you've been a leader. I know you wouldn't uh, claim yourself to be, uh, but you are a leader in the space of empathy and um, meeting people where they are. How do you feel now that those words are becoming very common, which is okay, in this space, but you've been in this space uh, for close to 30 years. Um, what is that like to see your work come to not maybe fruition, but all of a sudden it's kind of the bell of the ball, if you will, in corporate training and in education? Mm -hmm. uh, it's exciting to see the words being talked about. Yep. It is. Um, I think my big fear is that it will all be reduced to something that it isn't. Yeah. Um, and what I mean by that is, you know, my, I've built my career on thinking about all of these highly technical concepts and trying to make them simple. Right. Yeah. That's the, the term simple interactions. Yeah. Um, and empathy is one of those things that takes hard work. Yes. Um, it's not, it doesn't happen by accident. And I worry that we're going to start to confuse empathy with just being nice. And yes. that's not it. Um, to truly develop empathy, 
It means, in, to quote Fred Rogers, of course, it means to see each one of us as more than one thing. And that's what the concept that he used that I've, I've taken and, and thought more about because it means seeing each one of us for our humanity. Yes. And that's, you've got to dig down that deep yes. to build empathy. Yes. And so just saying, oh, I'm, I'm empathic to that. <laughs> are you are you really um and how do you continue to build that well it's it's not something that you can just claim that you've got it yes. you've got to continue to work at it and so i'm hoping that we're all thinking about it yeah which is a great thing but i hope that we're thinking deeply about it too i love this i'm, I'm not going to jump through the screen <laughs> for those who are listening we're also on youtube so we're videotaping this as well and my face is red of excitement. You know what I loved, uh, doctor, that you were going through connection, reciprocity, inclusion, and opportunity to grow. And I knew that it was not going to be an acronym because it's more than an acronym. I think that's kind of a lot of what I'm hearing from you. It's like, we can't just put fancy words on a whiteboard and come up with a nice acronym. Those are fine. But if they stay on the whiteboard, we almost get desensitized mm -hmm. to the word and we feel like the work is done because we claim the word. And again, I amplify the work you've done. Let's go further there with the empathy development. That was a part that was fast. Everything on your bio is fascinating, but you know, I, it's, I rarely have, I rarely have read uh, in a bio that someone has uh, gone around the world collaborating around empathy development. Let's talk about empathy and also some practical techniques that we can put into play to begin to improve that muscle. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, there's, What's great about empathy is that while the word is a little difficult to translate between cultures, every culture has something that mm -hmm. that shows empathy, that exemplifies what it means to be an empathic person um, and to build you know, the, the empathy muscle, if you will. And so regardless of the culture, we're able to talk about these things. So we can teach across language barriers. We can teach across you know, cultural barriers about what it means to be in relationship with someone and to use that as the foundation for building empathy. So the, the key to building empathy is being able to humble yourself yes. to see from another's point of view. Um, that it's not enough to see with our own eyes. We've got to be able to see how other people are viewing situations. And that is not always easy, but it's worth the effort, I think. Um, and it's not just meant for adults who are trying to build this now. This is something that we can infuse in children and in youth. Um, you know, we're we're really mindful of the youth voice right now. And I think we've seen fantastic examples just yeah. in the last oh, week of what youth Amanda voice can do. Amanda, Amanda Gorman. Yes. I guarantee you we're going to get there, but we don't. Yes. Celebrate yes. her and the fact that this young woman spoke to generations. Yeah. Yes. yes. And it's, and it's trusting our youth with that power too, yeah. to, yeah. to lead and to show by example what's possible when we take an opportunity to really get to know the other. Uh. Um, and that's where, you know, Amanda Gorman, I had the privilege of um, never meeting her, but doing some work with her. I was consulting on a, a program for PBS Kids where they were looking at how we talk about race and racism. And we selected Amanda to be the host of that. And I remember my first um, interaction through consulting with her. And I was just, I was amazed by her. Yeah. And I don't think that we as a, you know, as wise adults or whatever that means, should be embarrassed to say, I was amazed by a 22-year-old. 
Yes. Well, that takes the humility you talked about. And I love that you saw her giftings prior to her taking the big stage. You know, everyone got introduced to her during the inauguration. You saw that. I love what you're doing. And we're going to get into like how you got connected to the Fred Rogers Center. Mm -hmm. But this term that um, we hear a lot, which is these kids nowadays, and it can be said in a really condescending way. Yeah. And I feel like everything you've committed to is to shift the tone of that sentence instead of uh, these kids, by the way, young people make mistakes and let, let, let's acknowledge. So do adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's talk a little bit about your passion for shifting that phrase, these kids nowadays to elevating like these kids nowadays. Right. Right. And, you know, it's it really does come from the foundation of Fred Rogers, which is um, seeing and appreciating a child for who they are in this moment, not who they will be. Mm. Um, You know, I get very frustrated with the return on investment. Um, The way we treat our children is our delayed retirement savings. Yes, it's a child. It's a child. But it's the same thing for children, for youth, for young adults um, that there is humanity in each and every person. And the, the root of building relationships, the root of empathy is claiming that humanity, sharing that humanity and accepting others' humanity. You know, most people, the, the term vulnerability is one that's really popular. Um, I, that vulnerable word kind of makes me, gives me a little bit of a heart palpitation because vulnerable to me means open up to for pain and it's okay. And I look at it more as you can open up without expecting pain. Yeah, You can open up and show your humanity across whatever way you express it. And when that is accepted by another, then in its modeled and youth and young people can see that it's okay to be like that. Yeah. That that's one of those lessons that I think is best caught, not taught. <laughs> so good. <laughs> You're amazing. Talk about, you, you mentioned claiming, accepting. Did you remember, what was that third rhythm on that? Sharing. Claiming, accepting. I love it. I love that it's just not even a sparkle acronym. I do. I think that's so funny that I'm more, I just want practical. I want simple, but you know, it takes, it's, you know, it takes years and years to get to the simple, but I just want to say it again so people can hear it. This is maybe one of those pen moments, claiming, accepting, and sharing. And I would assume in that order. Yeah. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's hard to share if you don't feel safe and if your heart is hurt or you've been hurt in the past by a similar situation. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, mm-hmm. I love where you're going. Let's keep going. And you mentioned Fred Rogers, and I know that's a component of your works. It's where we first connected, but obviously you have simple interactions, you're doing grant writing, and you're actually, we may talk a little bit about some of the work you've done internationally, but how did the Fred Rogers connection start and, and you end up uh, being a part of the Fred Rogers Center and running that um, at St. Vincent. Well, I mean, I I was born in Pittsburgh, um, yeah, and it. so it's it's hard not to claim um, Fred Rogers as a literal neighbor when you yeah, grow I, up in Pittsburgh. I, I grew up in L.A. and I claim as a, claim him as a neighbor. So <laughs> right, yeah. right, yeah, it's it's kind of a rite of passage in oh. Pittsburgh. You can't say, oh no, I don't know who Mr. Rogers is, oh. um, but you know, as a child, I watched Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. I don't remember being um, impacted quite as much by his work until I was an adult and I was studying child development and I had children of my own and started to learn from his speeches, really. That was the one place that completely pulled me in. 
And when I had the opportunity um, to think more deeply about the work that he had done in service of children, but expand that to think about how that work isn't just meant for child development, that it's meant for human development. Um, I'd spent most of my career to that point working with adults mm -hmm. and working with adults in various situations. I, I worked for some time in um, in jail settings, working with um, you know people who were about to be released and how they could think about not coming back into my classroom in the jail. Um, but you know, in supporting that journey and supporting the journey of adults who were learning and thinking, what Fred said on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood was not just for children. Yeah. And what he says through his speeches and his writings, that's meant for all of us. Yeah. Uh, so when I had the opportunity to join the the center and think more deeply about that, I mean, that was that was a no brainer. Um, what an opportunity. I, I I still don't remember the exact way that it happened, but my goodness, am I glad that it did. Um, so, it, you know, it's one of those those times when you look back and think, I don't know that I that I found this. I think it found me. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Um, life do you, changing. Do you, it was. And we're glad you're there. Do you <laughs> remember the first interaction you had with uh, with Mr. Rogers? Um, so I remember as a child watching yeah. him, I yeah. don't deeply remember a lot except for, um, there was one song that he would sing yep. about, um, being a friend and yes. being special. Yes. And I remember singing that as a young child. Yeah. And I remember my father joining in singing with me yeah. to that song. And that being so important, I was a was a really, really shy child. And so singing about a friend was something that was a little bit foreign to me at yeah. a young age. Yeah. And, um, but I do remember that as the, I mean, that's my, probably the most past moment that I can recollect. Well, and it's interesting when I shared that with you, I knew it was going to be something that you saw because we all feel like we interacted with Mr. Rogers. Mm -hmm. I want to go where you just uh, uh, shared earlier on mentioning child development and adult development or child development and human development. Mm -hmm. Doctor, where have you found when you're teaching, what are some practical techniques that we can, and now we're talking about as parents, as uncles, as aunts, and as perhaps business leaders or coaches, some practical techniques, and I'm going to put you on the spot here, where to reach a child and also reach an adult, almost like that ch children's book author mm -hmm. technique, because it's a hard thing to match, to find uh, something that will resonate with a young person and also resonate with an adult. Has, have you found any practical techniques that we can, uh, we can take? I, I think, and you know, as I've taught across all the age levels, um, the key to being able to resonate with any age mm -hmm. is being willing to listen more than you speak. Um, you know, it's easy for, you know, you read the bio, you, you I've got a lot of letters after my name. It's easy for me to claim that as expertise. Um, but I am the first person to claim that I'm an expert at being a non-expert. Uh, <laughs> and so I might have some tools and resources in mind. I may have a way of uh, viewing the world that I think can be helpful. But until I truly understand what's going on inside the body and mind of any age in front of me, I'm not going to be effective. And so it's you know, I can't go out and, and, and preach how important it is to build relationships if I'm incapable or unwilling of 
to do that in my own practice. Yeah. And so, you know, even in the courses that I teach, we spend the first two weeks telling stories about ourselves and I tie it back to course material, Sure. but I can't reach my students if I don't know who they are. Yeah. And if I don't see them as more than just a person in my class. Yeah. I love that. I wrote down building trust and I think that people are looking for the quick fix yeah. and building trust takes time. We talk about like you have to earn the right to, to share. You have to earn the right to maybe speak into someone and you have to earn the right to have someone feel comfortable sharing, going back to your claiming, accepting, sharing. Mm -hmm. Where have you, Dana, uh, had a situation maybe as either a teacher or even an administrator overseeing the center where you've had a problem and you had to look at that problem and, and come to a solution and maybe some steps you put in. Maybe there was a situation we all have had where we weren't handling something well or the team that was reporting to you was not getting clarity and going from challenge to solution. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I'm going to buy you time. For those of you listening, it's not like we like said, this is the question I'm going to ask at the 30th minute. <laughs> But that, I think that challenge to solution is what we all experience. Like everyone thinks leadership and learning and development is like, you know, lean on me and everyone's jumping up on the tables and celebrating the teacher. That's right. like so rare, right? It, it certainly is. And it's, you know, it's something that we're reminded of all the time because we look for those far from the spotlight moments. You know, we're looking for the little moments that can, can shift slightly yeah. a trajectory. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of, of teams of teachers and educators and coaches across, you know, across the world, really. Yeah. And I remember working with one group of teachers and my team and I were in their classrooms. We were filming, we were going to highlight the interactions they were having with the children in their classroom. And I remember leaving the school one day and my entire team, we all went out to lunch and we all just sat there quiet mm -hmm. because we had been in this space for a couple of days and we were seeing some things that just didn't feel right. Um, there was a lot of uh, technology use in the classroom, which we see a lot, sure. but it just something was off. And we all kind of stared at each other like, we, we don't know what to do. You know, we're, we're used to going in and being able to use at least 80% of the footage that we have to be able to reflect back to teachers. And we weren't sure what we had there. And so at that point, I said, we, we need to dig deeper because it's really easy to look and say, what is wrong with these teachers? Yeah. Instead of, what has happened to these teachers? Wait, they know what's right. What is wrong? I got it. You're, you're so good. Your stuff is so good. You'll go right past it. Don't lose your train of thought. I want everyone to hear that. Instead of saying what's wrong with these teachers, by the way, you can, you can replace teachers with anything. Mm -hmm. What's happening? Right. I, I love that. Continue. Mm -hmm. And But it's, it's rooted in the, the trust that nobody starts working with children because they don't like children. Right. And so they, they know what they, they know what they should be doing. They know you can tell that they are really good teachers, yeah. but they just felt like there was something going on. What was and happening? So, well, so instead of doing our traditional bring everyone together and let's watch videos, we brought everybody together. Yep. And um, with a little Italian grandma inside of me, made sure that I fed everybody. So we're all sitting Smart. around and we're eating all the teachers and we're just talking. And I said, you know, we, we were planning on showing videos, but I'd like to talk today yeah. and I want to hear a little bit about how you feel about your teaching practice. And we started talking and the tears started to flow. Wow. 
And it got to the point where I learned that they had had a change in administration recently. They were feeling unsupported. One teacher broke my heart and said, I feel like a computer could do what I'm asked to do right now. And I'm unnecessary. And so it was breaking down all of the layers that there was so much more than just what they were presenting to us, that it was so important to peel back. Where were we? What, what is, what is causing that behavior? And we, we got to the bottom of it. We found it and we had a good, uh, you know, good group hug and cry over it, but it was in the sharing of that humanity in the listening and the opening it up and giving them space to share that I think we found our solution. And so now anytime we enter any environment, we don't go in without first talking to teachers or talking to coaches or just being with them and understanding who they are before we enter their space with a video camera or with a notebook. Um, because it's, again, we we all learn and be- grow best through those relationships. We've got to be building them just as much as they are building them with children and youth. So this is why you are so good at what you do, Dana. What are you doing? Replace that with what's happening. Just that shift in that sentence. I hope everyone listening, I did, can just use that. That's so practical. When you start a meeting, instead of jumping in, what are you doing? What's going on? Anyone, a coach, a parent, an older sibling, anyone who's leading anyone, shifting from what are you doing, which is defensive, to Hey, what's happening? I mm-hmm. I love that it took time. I do love that you added a little food. I think that's smart to add a little trust to it. Yeah, <laughs> a little food bribery to open up. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, Dana, you mentioned, um, and we've talked about this a lot with leaders. I say leaders, I quote leaders. I think everyone is a leader. Everyone is a, a presenter. You talked about your children. We don't have to go into detail on that, but mm-hmm. I want to ask the challenges of teaching other children, right? And mm-hmm. pouring into, and you have such a, a care muscle, I can you can hear it. And then that balance of then how to make sure you're not neglecting the children because you are working with all the children. And mm-hmm. I hope all the teachers and the leaders out there are listening. And I'm not expecting you to give us an epic, <laughs> radical answer. That's not fair. But what are some of the tension you're dealing with there? And how are ways maybe we can uh, avoid and look at some of these blind spots and address them? Well, (laughs) um, I I think I'm very comforted by remembering that I don't have to be perfect in order to be effective um, in any context, but especially as a mother, I make a lot of mistakes. And there are a lot of days where I think, ooh, that was just, that was not good. Um, I will say one thing that I've been able to take from my work, though, is greater intentionality around how I interact with my children um, around how I build relationships with them too. Um, so I'm very mindful of being able to take what I do in the classroom or what I share with other adults who are supporting children and taking time to reflect on, am I doing this in my own house? Yeah. Um, and there have been many times when I can honestly say, no, I'm not doing it. Yeah. And I've become more and more comfortable over the last few years with claiming that space to my children yeah, and saying, I didn't get it right today. Today was a really bad mom day and we're going to work together tomorrow to make it better. And just for people to hear you, and I'll acknowledge the same thing. I think it's important because on social media, we don't usually post those posts. 
There's not a lot of posts saying, blew it today as a parent, right? Right. Right. I'm not humbled and blessed right now. My kid is really angry with me and I just (laughs) screamed and slammed the door. But anyway, just hoping you all know I'm still an authority in leadership and development. Yeah, I love that you acknowledge that. I think that's important so people don't expect perfection, like you said. Right. And and it's... Um, you know, it's not hard. It's not easy. It's certainly not easy being a parent right now. Um, and especially with everybody posting the highlights of their lives, right. And the comparison game that we play. And, um, I try my best. I don't always succeed, but I try my best to just be better than I was yesterday and not compare myself to all the rest of the, the moms and dads out there. Um, but I also, I know that I won't always be right there with my kids. You know, my, my work takes me away mm-hmm. a lot and there's a struggle there too, but I have tried my best to keep open communication with my kids and to remember that someday they won't be around me. Yeah. And so what do I hope that they've gained from the quality of time that we have together rather than just the quantity of time that we've had together? I think that drives right into what you said, the intentionality. This isn't a, uh, I think about my children, nine and six, and I start to do the math. My nine-year-old, I start to go to 18, like nine more years and it's eight, right? And don't get fearful of that, but to realize this is a window and to be intentional about that window. Mm -hmm. And that certainly changes my interaction when I think nine more years and we'll still have a wonderful relationship, but it's not going to be the same dynamic as them being under under the, the same roof. Um, I love that. Thank you for sharing that. It's not easy. Thank you for sharing that we're imperfect. I think we all need to be uh, amplifying that more so people don't play the comparison game and, and start to get stressed out. Um, with that, and this is a common uh, uh, question that I think about with people that have a service muscle like you, mm-hmm. what are you doing? So what for Dana Winters, you are not a selfish human being. You are, uh, the minute I interacted with you two years ago and I reached out and said, I want to visit the Fred Rogers Center. I'll be in Pittsburgh for work. And you're like, come on over, Steve. I loved that. And you took care of me. And how are you taking care of you? Maybe some practical techniques that you utilize uh, for those service oriented people so we can make sure that we don't wipe out. Right. Right. Um <laughs> So I'm not, I'm not the best at this either. <laughs> yeah. None of us are, by the way. So <laughs> this is called, no. this is the wide open podcast where we share that we're not perfect. Imperfectly <laughs> perfect, if you will. Well, I'm the perfect guest for that one. Thank you. <laughs> you and me both. Uh, but, you know, I have, I have a lot of friends who are into mindfulness and sure. yoga and deep breathing. And um, I've tried all of that. It doesn't quite work for me. So, honesty. Uh, but I do try to take 15 minutes every morning. Yep. And that's it. I, I'm okay with 15. I don't need longer. Um, where I will, I give my spe- myself a little bit of space to reflect on the day that happened yesterday. And um, I've taken to writing just five sentences. That's it. I can't journal and for a long time, um, but I'm able to give myself 15 minutes and five sentences. And so every morning I write down you know, one thing that made the day before a good day, because I think we can all get really uh, entrapped by all of the things that went wrong. And it's easy to remember all of those. So even if it's as simple as, um, you know, an unexpected jigsaw puzzle with my kids, that was something that made yesterday a good day. And I'm going to write it down. And then I 
take you know a little bit of time to think about how I hope the day goes with no expectation that it'll end up that way yeah. and journal a little bit about you know what I hope to be able to provide. And so I still, I can't quite get that, you know, quite just selfish or to, I don't, I mean, it's self-care for me, right. but it, it found it that it works for me, but it's still very much based in like, okay, how can I be best of service to others? Sure. Well, you're a service-oriented um, person, but I love that. I want to say it again. And I've learned, Dana, especially during this COVID time that people are starving for simplicity. So uh, again, you've been in this space for so long that I, I earlier said it's like the bell of the ball, but I think it is because it's based in, in universal truth. I actually appreciate 15 and five is what I wrote down. It's applicable. 15 minutes, five sentences. So for those listening, it doesn't always have to be get up and run a marathon. It doesn't, I mean, some people can run a marathon. I can't. It doesn't always have to be these radical epic wins. Um, so maybe we can finish there, uh, Dana, going back to simple interactions, but also something you brought up earlier that I love, which is celebrating small wins yeah. versus waiting for epic, epic, life-changing moments. And I hope they come, but I don't think they come regularly. Talk about a few for you small wins that you've seen in your work in the learning and development space because i think we need to hear those so we can realize there's some really cool things going on and there's some light at the end of the tunnel cool yes absolutely awesome. um <laughs> you know i'm all i'm all about small moments yeah. and stringing them together and you know the when with the work of simple interactions we've been able to show clips as, as little as seven seconds to be able to show what a quality interaction looks like. And typically they're moments that go either unnoticed or unremembered because they seem so routine. Yeah. And so uh, a dear friend of mine, um, her name's Melissa Butler, and she was a kindergarten teacher for 30 years. And she had this amazing line when it came to what innovation is. And for her, innovation was finding something new inside what is known. That's and isn't that fantastic? Yeah, and so there's that's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new under the sun. Finding no. something new, yeah. Mm -hmm. Finding something new inside what is known, inside and so I think uh, my my biggest little wins have come from things that from spaces that I know that you know, working with teachers, working with students, and being able to see something new. And um, I'll tell one story, and you know, I've, I've taught across cultures, I've taught across language barriers, I've taught across age groups. And I had two students in one of my courses a couple of years ago that I just could not get through. Um, I just, I couldn't get to them. And I kept giving them these tasks and things and thinking I, this should work, this should work, this should work and not seeing movement. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, it's bad when you're teaching a course on Fred Rogers and you ask for people to share about who they are. And the first thing that this young man said was, oh, I'm a jerk. But, oh, okay. okay. Now, I'm not going to, I'm not going to epically change your life. That's for sure. But how can, what, what can we do? And so I didn't think that I'd made movement at all until graduation. Yeah. And we fast forward and this one woman comes over to me and goes, oh my goodness, you're her. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and she said, my son talks about you. Oh, and he told me that he learned that it was okay to be kind as a man because of what you taught him. And I thought, whoa, like that's an epic moment there. I will take that. Yeah. And it's something that I didn't expect. Yeah. And it's something that I didn't necessarily see in the moment. 
but there are so many little moments that we don't realize we're making a difference. And so many of those little nuggets that we never get to realize, especially as people who are learning and teaching and being a part of that world. And it's, it's important to have faith that, yeah, we're making a difference, even if we can't quite see the fruits of our labor in this moment. I promise you, thank you, Dana. I promise you there's teachers out there and leaders out there that needed to hear that exact message that you just shared. Planting seeds, you may not see the result right away. You don't realize the impact you're making. I'm so appreciative that you shared that story because you're not someone who uh, likes to self-congratulate. But I also am thankful for the work you're doing. You are, see, now I'm going to get emotional. You are doing the work that we need more of and celebrating the Amanda Gormans. I celebrate the Dana Winters. I celebrate the young male and female Fred Rogers that may not look like Fred Rogers. Um, it may not be the loudest. You may not go viral, Dr. Winters, <laughs> right away. Uh, you, you may not get a billboard in Hollywood, but you're doing such incredible work. I just want to just mention a few things you said. Um, don't say what's wrong. Say what's happening. Like that's so good and so simple, but actually it's quite complex. Uh, uh, claiming, accepting, and sharing. Listening more than speaking. I'm working on that one. Celebrating small wins and finding uh, finding out what inside what was what is already known. Uh, I want to thank you. I want to thank Coach Mac. How about that? If yes. Coach Mac has an opportunity to hear this message, uh, I'm appreciative of Coach Mac for pouring into you when you were in seventh grade. Thank you. So yeah. am I. You're so awesome. am I. I want to thank everyone for listening. This is the Good To Do podcast. If you're watching us on YouTube, there's things like ringing the notification bell and telling your friends about this. We need that because we're trying to amplify sound voices who may not be celebrities, who may not be the best marketers in the world. You may not have heard about them. They may not be selling their books on public speeches, but they are doing great works to help people with empathy, with kindness, with love, with respect and with meeting people where they are. So thank you for coming to Good To Do. Dana Winters, you are a rock star. We need you in this space. So take care of you so you can continue to take care of others. Thank you so much, Steve. Well done. Thanks, Doc.